How do we balance our faculties with wisdom, balancing confidence? And what should we do to stay in the middle path? Well, I have talked about the balancing the faculties. Uh, it's in the booklet, no, if you've read my booklet on how to meditate. It gives, I mean, a lot of the stuff in that booklet is just straight what my teacher taught. Um, which is why I made the videos and why I made the booklet, because he taught the same thing almost every day, and he didn't change it. It wasn't um, based on any idea of his. It's like, this is what the Buddha taught, and giving it to people. And so it seemed like the kind of thing that you could really systematize. You know, not overly systematized, but uh, just get the information out there. Because once people know, you know, and they have the instruction manual, then they can go with it. So there is a standard explanation of how to balance the faculties. And hopefully that's what's conveyed in the book. Um, but something that isn't conveyed in the book is this famous simile that is also given that the faculties are like uh, f like horses and the rider. Confidence, wisdom, concentration, and uh, confidence, concentration, wisdom, and effort. I'm in the total wrong order. Confidence, effort, concentration, and wisdom are like four horses, and they pair they pair up together. So you've got confidence and wisdom as a pair, and then you've got, behind them, you've got uh, effort and concentration, and they're a pair. And these four horses have to be tied together and have to be going in unison in order for the carriage to go properly. So what do you, what do you need to make the carriage go properly and to keep the horses in check? Well, you need a driver, the driver of the four horses. And this driver is the fifth faculty, and that's mindfulness. And... This is how we should understand the how-to. The, 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 the teaching on the five, five faculties is actually not so much uh, a teaching on how-to. It's a teaching on when-to or, or why-to, or uh, how to apply mindfulness. You know, because if you're, practice, if you're mindful, then the faculties will naturally be balanced. There is no imbalance of the faculties for someone who is, is, is in a mindful and clear, clearly aware state. It's when we're unmindful that, these, that the, the imbalance occurs, for whatever reason. So the, the, the importance of this teaching, you know, that if you have too much confidence, it leads to... Uh, leads to greed or or depending who you ask it leads to you know, obviously it leads to following after your own intentions my teacher would always say it leads to greed I think but I've read elsewhere it's, it, there's a different explanation I can't remember but I as I always as I generally explain it you, you tend to believe and follow your own intentions so you want something you think yeah that's right this sort of person who who uh, thinks things are right because they they're right because I think it's right. I think it's right because I think it's right. And so whatever hits them, they, whatever it says, hey, that's a good idea. Let's do it. 
without even thinking or examining or looking or, or reflecting, as the Buddha said, on what are the results of that action. There's a good talk the Buddha gave to Rahula that's very famous. He said, what are mirrors for? And Rahula, Rahula was the Buddha's son. Because the Buddha had a son before he went off to become a monk. He said, what are mirrors for? And Rahula said, mirrors are for reflecting. And he said, in the same way, all you should reflect on all of your acts. You should use mindfulness to reflect upon all of your acts. When, when you have done something, when you have said something, when you have even thought something, you should mindfully reflect on the act. Was it good to do that? Was it good to say that? Was it good to think that? What was the result? And if we all did this, we'd be able to see what, what was causing us happiness and causing us suffering. Because people have too much confidence, they don't do this. They, and it's very hard to deal with such people because they really believe in what they're doing and what they're saying and what they're thinking without even looking and seeing what harm it's causing to themselves and others. That, that explains a lot of the problems that go on in this world. If you have too much wisdom, uh, and here wisdom in the sense of, of not having seen it for yourself, but having read about it or having thought about it or having intellectually understood it, because it really, it, it pretends to, it seems so much like direct realization. People who have read all of the Buddha's teaching can sound exactly like an enlightened being, right? It seems, wow, yeah, they know everything, and, and they can teach, and people who practice can become enlightened even. But they don't have the verification, and therefore they don't have the confidence. And so as a result, it, it leads to, to doubt. It leads them to, to be always thinking and considering and wondering, what is the way, what is this? And so they have a lot of doubt. If a person has too much effort, but not enough concentration, then they will become distracted. This kind of goes with what I just said. It, sometimes it's not doubt, but it's just thinking a lot. If you're thinking a lot, you find that you have probably too much energy, and so you can do lying meditation. Yeah, there are tricks for some of them, actually. In fact, there are tricks for all of them. If we do the Satipatthana Sutta, I can go through it. And I did in Second Life, actually, go through the... That's right, I had a stu Sutta study course at one point. And we went through the Satipatthana Sutta, and I talked about what the commentary had to say on the faculties. I would recommend looking at the commentary this, to the Satipatthana Sutta. It's in the way of mindfulness this book called the way of the way of mindfulness which is an excellent book uh, worth everyone reading it's not written by the author it's it's a translation and compilation of the discourse and its commentary and sub-commentary excellent excellent resource by soma Thera. Uh, so if you read the part on the five faculties what the commentary has to say it'll talk about how to improve each of these and different ways that you can improve them. Some of them are, are a little bit odd, um, but in general, pretty good advice. And it's certainly not all-inclusive, I don't think. I think there are some ways that it doesn't mention. Uh, yeah, and if a person has a lot of concentration, but not enough effort, then they'll feel tired and sleepy, and as a result, they should get up and do walking meditation. This kind of thing, is you can balance them in this way. But ultimately, none of them really work. None of them really have the ultimate result of balancing the mind in the way that mindfulness does. So 
talking about them is, is identifying in yourself what's going wrong and, and making people realize that, ah, confidence isn't the answer. Because look at me, I'm confident and here I'm being an idiot and doing all these stupid things. Drunk people are very confident. Doesn't mean that drunk people are always doing the right thing. Right? Uh, that is a good example. Um, to people who think a lot, people who study a lot, you know, to make help them to see that no, you're not enlightened, and no, it's really not, not doing you a mote of good to be able to recite all of these teachings and so on, and remember all of these things. It's always funny. I find it funny anyway. Talking to people who are able to point out uh, the smallest of uh, errors. I gave a talk once in Thailand, I was learning how to give talks in Thai. So I gave this talk in Thai, I mean that's an accomplishment, just to be able to give a talk in Thai is an accomplishment. I gave a talk on the Buddha, the Dhamma and the Sangha, easy talk, you know, based on what are the three refuges, what is the Buddha, what is the Dhamma, what is the Sangha, according to a meditator. I gave it totally in Thai. This, this nun came up and she said, Oh, you're just like a Thai person. I felt so good, oh, happy, proud of myself. No. And then this man, this this guy who you know, wasn't really interested. He, he had come to really cause trouble in the monastery. He was looking, criticizing even even our head teacher, who's, a, who's you know, the best monk or the best, the most noble being I've ever met. And he came up to me the next day and he said, uh, he said, because I had said in the talk, I had said, when we talk about the Sangha, there are different kinds of Sangha. When we talk about Samuti Sangha, which is the conceptual Sangha, then I said, any monk is the Sangha. A monk, one, or any monk is, is Sangha, is a Samuti Sangha. And I was just basically saying that you know, the group of monks are just conceptual. So a monk can say, I'm, I'm Sangha, I'm part of the Sangha, because he's wearing a robe, because he's had the, or no, because he's had the ordination. And he came up to me the next day and said, uh, you know, what, what is the Samuti Sangha? I said, well, as I said, any, any monk is a Samuti Sangha. And he said, no, you're wrong. And here he said, he said, my Chai, he said, no. I said, well, then what's the Sangha? He said, four monks. That's a Samuti Sangha. And you know, he's right. Because the Sangha, in, in a technical sense, in the, in the Vinaya, four monks together constitute what is called a Sangha. So he was correct. But he was also wrong. And he was wrong to criticize what I was saying. Because I wasn't saying that one monk alone constitutes a valid Sangha. That's not true. But a monk is... Sangha, and that's generally understood to be that, that way. Anyone who talks about, and even in Thailand they talk about monks, they say, oh that's Prasong, Prasong, which means the Sangha. You know, oh he's Prasong, he's Sangha. And we talk like this. Uh, way off track, way off topic here, but the point being that um, this is the kind of, this person was a perfect example of how someone takes it too far. And then they go around trying to point out the faults. I mean, I was thinking, man, you just heard me give my first real Thai talk. And all you can think about is how I, I flubbed the word Sangha. So it was a, it was a good, good, 
good test for me <coughs> as far as the ego goes. Um, but, but also a very good example here of this sort of thing. And uh, so, so this re the recognition here, I mean, this is the kind of talk you would give to that sort of person. Um, there's a better talk, actually. The talk I give on the five types of people, it's just a talk that my teacher always used to give on the five types of Dhamma Vihari, if you've ever heard me talk about what is a Dhamma Vihari, the five types of people that exist in the world. It's a good one to give to that person. But giving the talk on the balancing the faculties is useful because it suddenly reminds us, oh yes, in my, I've got these as well. I'm, I'm very active or I'm very lazy or I th I'm very skeptical of everything or, uh, or I have so much conf overconfidence and so on. So people always ask how should we balance the faculties and we really shouldn't look at it that way. You should practice mindfulness, and the answer is very simple, that through mindfulness you balance the faculties. What you should do from time to time and look and see is look and see how your faculties are doing, because what happens is we miss one. We think we're being mindful, and we're mindful of some things, but we're missing, we, we fail to catch something and we do it over and over again, and then we can't understand why we're suffering. Here I am practicing meditation, why am I still suffering? Well, the, you're probably missing something. Okay, that's the first part of your question. Let me stop there. I'm just going to save this and then I'll answer the second part.